Turn in your Bible this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in just a minute we'll look at verse number 20. I brought my my passport with me this morning. Passport is a fairly common document. Uh, Most of you probably have one. If you don't, fairly simple to get one. But this document allows me to travel around the world. And it not only shows where I came from, it also shows who I am. I am, by this passport, uh, shown to be a citizen of the United States of America. It also means that I am uh, a representative of my country to the rest of the world. I learned, my gracious, 30 years ago, I guess, that the way people in other countries view the United States is often uh, largely based on uh, the contact that uh, those people in other countries have with foreign travelers. So when you go somewhere else uh, and you are in a foreign country, uh, the the way those people view everybody in America is whatever you portray uh, during that time. Thank you very much. So this is a very important uh, document. Second Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul begins to discuss the difference between earthly things and temporal things, or temporal things and eternal things. And he reminds us that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are answerable to Jesus for how we live our lives. In fact, in verse 10, he tells us that every one of us are going to stand before the Bema seat of judgment. All believers will stand one day before Christ to be judged for what we've done, and it is at that point that we will be rewarded for what we have done for Christ in this life. In verse 17, Paul talks about how we are in Christ, and that being in Christ means that we are a new creation, not just a dusted-off version of the old person, but a brand-new creation. All things old have passed away, he says, and behold, all things have become new. So the temporal things of life have been rejected for things that are eternal in nature. And he reminds us that those things that are eternal in nature come to us because we have been reconciled to God. So there's the background for verse number 20, which is our text this morning, in honor and reverence to the reading of God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word, look at what he says in verse number 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ, 
as though God were pleading, God himself were pleading through us to be reconciled. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Because of the reconciliation to God that you have given to us through your son Jesus Christ, we have been given a ministry to the world. We are ambassadors. We are your representatives to the world. And so I pray now as we begin to look at this and unpack what it means to be that representative, to be that ambassador, you would speak through your Holy Spirit that we might be effective ambassadors because what people think about Jesus largely is determined by how we as Christians live and demonstrate that on a daily basis. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christians are different. Or at least we're supposed to be. Ever since New Testament times, Christians have been viewed as, Peter refers to us as a peculiar people. Mark chapter 3, Jesus himself is actually accused being crazy, being possessed. John chapter 10, the people who saw Jesus said, he has a demon. They said, he is insane. So it really should not surprise us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we would be viewed by the world with the same contempt that Christ is viewed. So as you think about that special job that you've been given, you and I are ambassadors for Christ. Let me give you a few things uh, about our mission for Christ. We'll back up in this passage of Scripture and just begin moving through it to show you these things. Number one, you and I have a unique mission. We have a unique mission. Go back to verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord... We persuade men, but are well known to God, and I trust are well known in your consciences. For we do not command or commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. We live in a world that has bought into the philosophy, and we've taught it to our children, and, and, and we teach it in our homes. And we've bought into a philosophy that says, I'm okay, you're okay. We've bought into a philosophy that says, live and let live. Just, it doesn't matter. Uh, I believe what I believe, you believe what you believe, but uh, none of that should ever bother anything. Uh, truth is all relative, and truth is all in the mind of the thinker. But if we believe what we claim to believe, if we believe what the Bible teaches, we cannot just sit back while the rest of the world races headlong into hell. We got to be involved, we have to intervene. We have to persuade people, I'm not okay, and you're not okay, but that's okay because we can be reconciled to God 
through Jesus Christ. In verse 12, Paul makes it very clear that you can't brag about that. Uh, I'm not trying to impress the world, he says, by my appearance. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission from the king. I am an ambassador for Christ. And it is from my heart. There is no pretense. There is no hidden agenda. We have this unique message to intervene in the world. But here's the next thing he says. He says, we have a unique message and we have a different approach. We've got a different approach. In verse 14, he says, for we, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thusly that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. So we've come to this country. We're here in this world. We are ambassadors for Christ. We've come here on a mission given to us by the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We are compelled by Christ to do what we do because the Bible says the love of Christ is in us. So because Christ is in us, we are compelled to then go into the world on that mission to intervene to help people be reconciled to God. We love people not because people are lovable, because they're not. We love people because we have a deep and abiding love of Jesus Christ. The love we've been shown by Christ comes with a special message that we carry with us. And that message that we're supposed to be telling to the world, Paul says first, Jesus died for all of us. And then he says, secondly, we are all dead spiritually. We're all dead spiritually and we need somebody to give us life. And then he says, once Jesus gives you that life, no longer do you live for yourself. We're not living for ourselves, but we don't, and we don't have any desire for ourselves. Our desire now is for Christ, because Christ is in us. That is a crazy message. That is an insane message to the world that you live in. The world that we live in and the world that most Christians uh, are a part of today is that we live for self 24-7. Everything we do is all about self. It's all about what's, going to, what's in it for me. How is this going to benefit me? And so the, the message of the gospel is that Jesus died for all. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And once you have that uh, knowledge, once you have that experience with Jesus Christ, no longer do I live for myself. No longer am I looking around to find out uh, what's going to be in my best interest. I live for Christ because Christ lives in me. And that's crazy. If we tell the people that we're around every day that number one is Jesus. Number one is Jesus. Not me. Not my family. Jesus. They'll look at you like you're from another planet. You're not from around here, are you? And the thing is, we aren't. We aren't from around here. 
Ours is a different approach. And we're not only different in our motivation, we are supposedly different in our value system. Look at verse 16. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thusly no longer. That approach is foreign to this world. But that's the way you and I are supposed to live when we live for Christ. We have come here on business, and we've come on business for the king. We have a unique mission. We have a different approach. Verse 17 says that if we are in Christ, we have a transformed life. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore in the scripture, you stop and say, what's that therefore? Because he's just explained to us who we are in Christ, why we're here, what's supposed to be happening in our lives, how we're supposed to be relating to the people that we meet every day. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That verse teaches me that when Jesus comes to live in my life, he performs a creative act. He performs a miracle that takes, there's a miracle that takes place in our lives when we get saved. And it is the transformation of my life. Verse 18 reminds me that I didn't do it by myself. It says everything that I have, everything is from God. There is this inward transformation that takes place, a transformation that only happens from God. So it doesn't mean, it's so people come to church and say, well, I'm going to start going to church because I need to try to do better. Well, you can try all you want to. It's not going to work because you can't do it. You don't have the power to do it. You don't have the will to do it. You don't have the ability to do it because you're spiritually dead without Christ. Everything that happens, so it truly is a miracle of God when your life is completely transformed by the gospel. And when you have been transformed, if you've been transformed, you have to pass it on to others. I am, what does he say? I am an ambassador for the king. And as an ambassador for Christ, I have been authorized. I have been given authority by the king. I have been clothed with his righteousness. I have been clothed with divine authority and power to speak the reconciling message of the love of God to an unsaved world. We are representatives of the king of kings. An ambassador serves the sovereign. Ours is a position of high and holy responsibility. Our position is one of great dignity. Our position is one of prestige. The privileges, the responsibilities of this office are to be assumed with the greatest of humility and gratitude. You've been called by God. You have been transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to carry the message of reconciliation into the world. Now, what message is it we're supposed to be taking on behalf of our sovereign? Paul says it's a message of reconciliation. God is not reconciled to us. 
We are reconciled to God, and that's important. You say, what's the big deal? I'm reconciled to God, God's reconciled to me. What's the big deal? It's all semantics. No, it's not semantics at all. God is not reconciled to me. I'm reconciled to him. And he initiated that reconciliation because of my sin. That's what verse 18 says. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You remember there was a time in this world in the beginning when this world was in perfect harmony. It was a perfect world. God had placed Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. They had a perfect relationship. And then sin comes along. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, Satan comes along, sin comes along. And the next thing, you, what is the very next thing that happens? Adam is hiding from God. Prior to that, everything was perfect. Adam and Eve's relationship was perfect. Adam and Eve's relationship with God was perfect. Everything in this world was perfect. When sin came, Adam moved, and he hid from God. God at no time was ever running away from Adam. God was always running toward Adam. So Adam hides from God. What does God do? God comes into the garden and says, Adam, where are you? He's always initiating that relationship. God is always looking for us. And from that time until today, anybody who has ever been born again was before they got saved, they were estranged from God. They were separated from God. And they were separated from God because of their sin. And because of that separation, the greatest need that you have in your life today is to be reconciled to God. But there's a barrier. There's a barrier in that reconciliation. And that barrier is sin. That's what verse 19 says. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses or their sins to them, and has committed to us this word of reconciliation. As I look at the world today, there's a basic problem that we need to address, and it's the problem of sin. We need to address it. I, I, I look at these trendy churches that uh, become so popular today, and here's what I see and hear. Here's what they say. We are here to meet the felt needs of our congregation. I, I hear preachers talk about, well, I'm just trying to meet the felt needs of the people who are in my congregation. Let me tell you something. There's a big difference between, and listen to this, there's a big difference between what you feel that you need and what you really need. There's a big difference between, uh, and so we get this candy-coated uh, cotton candy kind of sermons uh, about how wonderful we are and how great life is and how we ought to just go out here skipping and picking daisies and putting puppies and, and it's just all wonderful and fun. And uh, that's, not, that's not your need. Your need is to be reconciled to God. In a recent article in Leadership Magazine, William Williman 
who is the bishop of the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church, said this, Jesus doesn't meet our needs, he rearranges them. I love that sentence. Jesus doesn't meet our needs, he rearranges them. He cares very little about most things that I assume are my needs. And he gives me needs I would have never had if I hadn't met Jesus. He reorders my life. I used to ask seminarians, why are you in seminary? They say something like, I like meeting people's needs. And I'd say, whoa, really? If you try that with the people I know, they'll eat you alive. <laughs> That's true. If you're a pastor in Honduras, it might be okay to define your ministry as meeting needs because more people in Honduras have interesting biblical needs like food, clothing, housing. But most people in the churches that I know get those needs met without prayer. So they've moved on to needs like a satisfying career or an enjoyable love life or a positive outlook on life and stuff that the Bible has absolutely no interest in. Every person, every person needs his or her sins forgiven. And the good news is when our sin problem is removed, our relationship with God is restored and we receive eternal life. Now, how does that happen? Verse 18 says God initiates that because he's the only one who can do, do that. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't need religion this morning. That's the last thing you need. You do not need religion. You need Jesus. Religion is man's effort. Religion is man's effort to reconcile God to man. And the only problem with that is God doesn't need to be reconciled to man. I need to be reconciled to God. And that is something that only God can do. God reconciles us, verses 18 and 19, so he reconciles us through his son. Reconciliation is what God brought about at the cross. So when you look at the cross of Christ, that is the bridge of reconciliation. We are separated from God. There is God and there is me in my sin. And there is a great chasm that exists between me and God. And the cross becomes the bridge by which that chasm is brought together. And so my job, <clears throat> my job as an ambassador for Christ is not to tell people what they can do for God. It is to tell people what God can do for them. That is the greatest need that we have in our lives. Not to know what can I do for God. It is you and I need to know what can God do for me. I'm the one who's needy. I'm the one who is separated from God. I'm the one who needs reconciliation. So God has delegated you and me with that job. Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ. We have been delegated with the job, the ministry, Paul says, of reconciliation. Three times in this larger passage of Scripture, Paul talks about the fact that we have been given the responsibility 
of reconciling others to God. In verse 18, he says, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In verse 19, he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. Now think about that for just a minute. As an ambassador for God, if you're a believer, you're a Christian, you have a ministry. Every one of us, this doesn't say it was just given to pastors, doesn't say it was just given to missionaries, doesn't just say it was given to a certain number of people in the church. It says that because you have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, God has entrusted to you a ministry of reconciliation. As I understand that, Reconciliation is where you bring two parties together who have been estranged and you restore that relationship. That's what reconciliation is. So you have two parties that are estranged and you are the one bringing them together so that that relationship might be restored. So God has given to us, we're the ambassadors. We're the ambassadors for Jesus. He has given to us the privilege of taking the hand of a sinner who is willing and the hand of a Savior who is able and bringing them together so that the Savior can turn that sinner into a saint. He can turn a criminal into a king. An ambassador of, for Christ. I have the privilege then as a Christian I have the privilege of being engaged and involved in the ministry of reconciliation. Are you doing that? When was the last time, when was the last time you introduced somebody to Jesus? When was the last time you literally took the hand of a sinner and the hand of the Savior and you brought the two of them together so that they could be reconciled? You see, God, the Bible, yes, God does the saving, but the Bible specifically says you have that responsibility. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've been given the ministry of introducing Jesus to other people. As an ambassador for Christ, I've been given the ministry, but I've also been given the message. The message of reconciliation. If you're a Christian and you're not telling people that they are at war with God and that they need to be reconciled with God and that they can be reconciled with God, you're not doing your job. If we're not telling lost people about Jesus, we're not doing what we were sent here to do. And it's not just about inviting somebody to come to church with you. Now, that's important. It's a great thing. But it's about sharing the message that all of us are lost and we're headed into an eternal separation from God, which is hell, and that the only way to avoid that is to be reconciled to God through his son, Jesus. The hymn writer said, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross of Christ I cling. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's all about him. That's the message. 
That's the message we're supposed to be carrying to the world. It's not come to our church because we've got trendy music. It's not come to our church because we can do, we do this and we do this and, and, and we've got this program or we've got that program or this is nice and that's nice. And It's not about that. It's about bringing people to Jesus who need to be reconciled. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the message of reconciliation, which is the gospel. Then we've been given the mission of reconciliation. In Paul's day, the Roman Empire had two kinds of provinces, each related to the government in a different way. There were senatorial provinces. They were made up of people who had submitted to the Roman government and were peacefully obeying the law. Uh, Imperial provinces were still rebellious. They were somewhat in a state of war with Rome. So Rome would send ambassadors to those provinces in order to keep peace and to represent the Roman government. That's a nice history lesson, Pastor Keith. What's the point? Well, here's the point. God has not declared war on you and me, nor has he declared war on the rest of humanity. He's declared peace. God has declared peace. He's not looking for a truce. He's not looking for a ceasefire. He's looking for permanent peace and an eternal relationship between you and me and him. God is not interested in rehabilitation. God is not interested in the rehabilitation of criminals. He wants reconciliation with enemies. You and I are then his ambassadors who have been sent into this world that is rebellious against God and telling them with this message that because of the cross of Christ, you can be rescued from sin. You can be reconciled to God. J.B. Lightfoot, in describing what an ambassador does, says this, the ambassador, while acting, acts not only as an agent, but as a representative of his sovereign. The ambassador's duty is to deliver a definite message, to carry out a definite policy. It is the great responsibility of the ambassador to commend his country to the men amongst whom he is set. Ladies and gentlemen, God has left you here as his ambassador. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. We're to represent him. We represent him to a lost world, a dying world. Whether he calls us as ambassadors to some land far away, or whether he calls you as an ambassador to your neighbor next door, you've got a message. You've got a ministry to perform. He's given us a policy and we represent him. You know what happens to an ambassador of the United States if he does not represent the sovereign, the president of the United States the way he's supposed to? He gets recalled. Bring him out. He's not representing us properly. He's not representing the United States the way we're supposed to be. Are you representing God the way he wants to be represented? Are you sharing Christ with the people who are around you? Would they be surprised to even know that you're a Christian? 
would they be surprised to know that you, that you follow Jesus Christ? There's a wonderful little book called Breakthrough Prayer by Jim Cimbala, who's a pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. In that book, he tells a story of a man by the name of Danny Valesco. And uh, I had the opportunity several years ago, probably it's been about 10 years ago, to meet Danny Valesco and to hear his testimony. It's one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Danny, uh, Danny had it all. Uh, he was a hairdresser by trade. He, at the time, was, he would have been known as hairdresser to the stars. I mean, anybody who was anybody wanted their hair done by Danny Valesco. Uh, his work had brought him great notoriety, uh, not just in New York, but around the world. So he moved to Paris, and while in Paris, and now this is probably 25, 30 years ago, he was making about $5,000 a day doing hair. When I heard that, I thought, I'm in the wrong profession. Um, he was living the dream. He was living a life that most of us will never even know. But beneath all of that perceived success, Danny had this inner struggle going on that most people didn't know anything about. He was a drug addict. And while he was in Paris, Danny got hooked on heroin. And the drug addiction tragically affected his work. Within months, he was forced to uh, leave Paris, move back to New York City, but this time when he came back, he's jobless and he's homeless. He goes from making $5,000 a day in Paris, living the life, to now living on the streets of New York City, a drug addict. Career was ruined. Nobody wanted to hire him. There were a couple of people uh, who would still use him uh, for because he was so talented, one of them was uh, a beautiful, red-headed model uh, who was also a devout Christian. After every session with him, she would ask Danny if she could pray for him. She would ask him, could she pray with him? And, and she would say, I, can I talk to you for just a minute about Jesus? And one day she said, Danny, listen, the day that you finally call upon the name of the Lord, you will be set free. I'm just going to tell you, the day you call on the name of the Lord, all your troubles, you're going to be set free. The drug addiction became so intense, he began hearing voices in his head. He became like an animal on the street. He looked like a skeleton. His body was covered with sores. He had contracted hepatitis A, B, and C. Uh, he weighed 108 pounds. And finally, one day, he laid at the steps of Bellevue Hospital in the Bronx, waiting for the doors to open. And he said he was waiting to go in so he could die. Life was over. Finally, the doors opened. He was admitted. He was treated. When he came to, he found himself in a bed uh, covered in his own vomit. Suddenly, all the voices in his head started screaming again. He wanted to jump out of the hospital window and die, but he couldn't because the, bar, the windows were barred. And he said it was there in the midst of all that pain that he finally heard a voice that he had not heard in a very long time. And it was the voice of that beautiful red-headed model 
who said, Danny, the day you call on Jesus Christ, you will be set free. He tried to drown out all the other voices, but he couldn't. The voice of that model just kept getting louder and louder. He said that in absolute desperation, he finally cried out for God to save him. Listen to what he says. At that moment, Almighty God swept over me and around me. I knew he was real because all the voices in my head suddenly stopped and the ball of fear that had been weighing on me lifted. I was still lying in my own vomit in a hospital bed in the Bronx, but I was a million miles from where I had been before I said that prayer. That day, I called on the name of the Lord and he set me free. It's a marvelous testimony. But you know what's even more marvelous? The reason Danny Velasquez called on the name of the Lord and the reason he called on the name of the Lord was because there was a woman who was a follower of Jesus Christ who took her job as an ambassador for Christ seriously and she would not let it go so that every time she saw him, she talked to him about Jesus. Every time she uh, saw him, she asked him, could she pray for him? When's the last time you did that? Because I don't know any drunks. Based on what I saw last night, I think I know about 80,000 of them. They were all in Neyland Stadium throwing golf balls and beer cans and whatever else over the side rails. So I'm sure there's plenty of people that you could find to tell about Jesus. When was the last time you mentioned it? When was the last time you gave your personal testimony? Not my mom and daddy took me to church and I got baptized and uh, I joined the church and I've been a member at Valley Grove ever since. Now, what about the transformational power of God in your life? What did he transform you from and into? What has he done in your life? That you, could, that you could use, that the Holy Spirit could use to say to somebody who is lost today, to say to somebody who is struggling today, to say to somebody who needs encouragement today, listen, if you'll call on the name of Jesus, he will set you free. We are ambassadors for Christ. Maybe you're not called to go to China. Maybe you're not called to go to Africa. Maybe you're not called to go to Venezuela or Brazil or Mexico or Ukraine. But listen to this. When you walk out of the doors of this building this morning, you and I are surrounded by the greatest mission field of all. And as believers in Christ, we are his ambassadors. Let's get busy doing our job. Let's pray together. In reconciling us to God, the Lord treated Jesus as if he had lived my life and I had lived his life. That's what happened. 
Jesus lived a perfect life. And through reconciliation, God treated me as if I had lived that way and as if Jesus had lived the way I've lived. He did for me what I could not do for myself. And he will do that for you. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, call on him. Call on him. Ask him to save you. Maybe you've made that commitment to him at some point in your life, but you realize you've been AWOL in your job as an ambassador for Christ. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ this morning to say, in my job, in my school, uh, in my recreation, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm an ambassador for the King of Kings, and I have a job to do. Father, I pray now that in the stillness of this moment, your Holy Spirit would speak to us as having been reconciled to you We've now been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation to the world. We are your ambassadors. May we be faithful in the work you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.